0: It's really more about enjoying the work and learning new things. Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host,
1: Bernard Kelvin Clive. Kevin, welcome to another edition of the Personal Branding Podcast. And this edition, um, I need to have Kevin Cruz on the show. Kevin is going to share his expertise from writing, speaking, and with business, organizing, internet business at large for authors and speakers. Kevin, welcome to the podcast show.
0: Thanks, Bernard. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
1: Uh, Kevin, you have an interesting background from starting your own business at an age of twenty two till now a multiple New York Times best selling author, Amazon best selling author. Uh delve a little bit into your background, how you got into business from the beginning till all this wow.
0: Sure. I you know, I think the uh the short version, Bernard, as you mentioned, I mean I had a dream to be an entrepreneur uh very young and it actually started when I was um A boy, and and I actually saw my father's business uh, uh, go bankrupt. He went out of business, and uh, a bill collector came to our house and sort of startled me. And we ended up having to, you know, leave our home and and move away. And uh, as a boy, that really made an impact on me. And I decided, you know, that whatever it would take, I wanted to uh, be financially successful so that I would never, you know, have to be in that position again. Um, so I, as uh, soon as I got out of university, I started my first business to pursue this dream, but I didn't know what I was doing at all. And, uh, you know, 22 years old, and that business uh, failed very quickly. And um, the good news is, though, is I still had the dream and I just tried again. The second business only lasted a year, but it did a little better than the first one. And it was really the third business that I figured out uh, some fundamentals and, and how to get some success. And, uh, I started that business and then sold it after five years and then did it a few more times. And it was uh, when I sold my last business about six or seven years ago now, uh, that I decided to, you know, take some time off from the, from the pure entrepreneur journey and to uh, spend more time with my family and nonprofits and to also. Uh, start writing books, which is another you know passion I always had, another dream I had. And so that's been my primary focus has been on uh, writing books and then speaking and and things like that for the last five years.
1: On you, that you wanted to really change the shape of your family and your life that, okay, um, my parents have been embarrassed. They, they have no money. They're coming after him. So I don't want to live my life this way. What are some of the lessons that you picked during that age of your life?
0: Yeah, I think you know Bernard. It wasn't so much uh, embarrassment as it was fear. I mean, I just felt badly for uh, my parents who had no money, and you know that you know I can't even imagine that feeling of of you know possibly failure or not being able to provide. You know, I saw I actually felt badly for them, and I was scared from uh, this kind of mean, uh, imposing, uh, big bill collector that came to look for money. And, uh, so, you know, I, I was too young to really understand it at the time, but it was more a reaction of feeling badly for my own parents. Even though I was the child, I felt badly for them and then just scared and never wanting to be in a position where I could be thrown out of my home or where I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. Uh, and that was really the motivation or the driver that, that, Got me you know, at a very young age,
1: so this was kind of a fear motivation
0: yeah and, and and Bernard, you know i I would not recommend to others I mean it's it's um I'm a big believer in goals and in dreams, but what people should really be doing is looking for the positive motivation. you know I think the best entrepreneurs, the wealthiest entrepreneurs are the ones who weren't trying to Get rich or to, to not lose their house. It's that they want to change the world. You know, Mark Zuckerberg was not looking to become a billionaire when he started Facebook. I mean, he saw he he saw the opportunity, but he was solving a problem. You know, Elon Musk, you know, one of the greatest entrepreneurs uh, uh, of our modern time. You know, he he's he's he was already rich when he started Tesla, when he started SpaceX. You know, he wasn't doing it for the money. He wanted to change the world, and I think that's a better place: is to really understand. Um, what are the positive reasons? Because being an entrepreneur is never easy. There's always mm-hmm. problems. There's always risk. So what's the positive reasons why you're doing it? Who will you help? How will you add value? How will you change uh, change the, the world?
1: So the first thing you want you to look out for is look for positive values or things to contribute to that will need to motivate you. That that, that might be important. I know you're into charity. You spend part of your close foundation to helping people. So, what is your motivating factor to really give back to society through the things you're doing?
0: Yeah, I think um, you know, to me, it's uh, it, it's just a fundamental thing where I feel that you know, my number one value, I think the most important, the most magical value we can all have is is a, 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 a value of, of gratitude, to mm. be thankful. You know, I have mm. three kids who are still school age and. Mm. You know, they sometimes tease me because I talk about having an attitude of gratitude, you know, to give thanks in, in everything. And whenever I um, am having a bad day or something's bad happened or I see myself getting in a bad mood or stressed, all I need to do is take a minute to count my blessings. And you always can. I mean, whether it's something as as important as your own family members or, or children or as fundamental as having a roof over your head or some food. As soon as you get to a place of gratitude, everything is okay. And so, to me, the the you know the charitable stuff. I mean, I've been very blessed in my life, and and I am very appreciative and grateful for it. So, to be able to uh, to share uh, with others. And, you know, whether it's, you know, building, uh, schools, uh, for kids in Asia or, um, helping at homeless shelters or whatever that might be. I mean, I just think we all have, you know, we are one planet, one society. I feel that, uh, you know, uh, in, the. um, uh, the the Bible, for example, talks about, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I, mm. you know, I was mm. lucky, you know, wherever we are born and the situation we're born into determines so much of the rest of our life. It's not the only thing we do have control, but I mean, I was very blessed. And so I just feel, you know, I was very lucky. Uh, we are all connected and just coming from this place of gratitude. You know, I try to um, you know, give some time and resources to help others who haven't been as lucky.
1: That's, gratitude is one of the things I really believe in, that when you develop an attitude of gratitude, it really enhances the way you see life and things and also bringing more value to yourself as well, because it's, it's, it's positive or good karma.
0: Yes, absolutely. And Bernard, I'll tell you one more just quick story on this. I know this isn't related to to branding or things like that. But um, just uh, last week, one week ago, mm. my teenage daughter uh, was in a car accident. And so she uh, she's 16, and she's only been driving for about uh, six months now. She's had her license, so she's driving. And she was in a car accident, and uh, nobody was hurt. So she calls me and says, Dad, I was just in an accident, you know, and I'm on the side of the road. And I said, Is anybody hurt? And she says, No. And I said, okay, you're gonna, you know, I'm gonna come and you're gonna call the police and it's gonna be fine. Now, immediately after, when other people started hearing that she was in an accident and the car is really banged up, nobody's her, and it wasn't her fault, but it was banged up. People asked me, oh, are you mad? Are you mad at her for wrecking the car? And others said, um, oh, you know, that was such a terrible thing. And uh, oh, what an awful day you just had. I told my daughter, Maybe, uh, what well, was driving back from the accident? I said, Amanda, nobody was hurt. This is a fantastic day for you. You are so lucky to have this accident in your life. This is great news. You should brag to everybody what an amazing thing it is. And I truly believe that because, because nobody was hurt, mm. she got that. First of all, lucky that it was nobody hurt. We are grateful that nobody's hurt. Second of all, she had this experience. As a new driver, as a young driver, it wasn't her fault, and she went through this very scary, emotional, stressful experience and came through fine. And like any bad thing in life, I mean, we can learn from it. We can be stronger from it. So she will be a better driver. She will do a better job of looking out for the bad drivers. She will be a better driver. She will be calmer and cooler if she's ever in another accident. She now knows how to work with the police and now uh, automobile insurance companies. So because nobody was hurt, to me, this was a great life experience being in this car accident. And while everyone else was telling me, Oh, what an awful day. Oh, that must have been terrible. Oh, are you mad at her for wrecking the car? I had none of those experiences, none of those emotions, Mm -hmm. and that was the best lesson I could give to her is, hey, it was just an object that got banged up. Nobody's hurt. Look at all the good things that came from from this accident.
1: Wow. I think that there's a real positive attitude in looking at gratitude in the midst of in you know, of, of this difficulty. I think it's really helped. It's it's bringing more good things to you because you have a different perspective and focus in life. Looking at and asking, no, what 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 good can I see in, in the midst of this, all these troubles? Now, Kevin, let, let's delve deeper now into how you build your personal brand, and we look at how you can engage employees in building a corporate brands.
0: Yeah, and that was, um, Bernard, really the, the um, that was the turning point for my businesses. I mean, when I was young and dumb, you know, I thought I was the star. I thought I was the great young entrepreneur, the smartest guy in the room. I had all the answers. Uh, I could do it all myself. I could, Who needed sleep? I could just work seven days a week around the clock, and I would build greatness. And I failed. <laughs> None of that was true. And when I finally realized that you don't need to have all the answers, you just need to be able to work with people who have the answers. You don't need to have all the strengths. You know, you just need to find people that are strong in areas where you're weak. And the best thing, I mean, uh, business success, if you're going to grow a big business, it's all about the people, attracting great people and letting them do great work. And so the more business after business, the more I got out of the business and just focused on employee motivation, creating a great place to work, the better the businesses did. I mean, the last business was, was the easiest for me. I worked wow. the fewest hours. I had the less, the least stress and it grew to a million dollars a month in four years because I didn't worry about sales. I hired great sales. I didn't worry about programming and uh, design work, I hired great software engineers. Um, you know, I had partners to, to to brainstorm with. So that was the difference, was really understanding the value that other people can bring and how important it is to motivate them uh, at work.
1: Wow. No. Now, Kevin, share with us maybe about five principles in, in in line with your book on employee engagement. How can we motivate employees to build a solid brand? So about five principles or strategies that we can utilize after this. And a yeah, a
0: solid I will mean, tell you what, bro. I'll give you... Um, you can get most of motivation and engagement from even just three things. Most of it is all three right. things. So I'll focus on those. So okay, great. Uh, it's it's growth, recognition, and trust. So growth, we all are gonna be more engaged at work if we're learning new things, if we're advancing, if we're being challenged. Now it's it's good if we are getting promotions and new job titles and maybe a raise from the boss. I mean, that can help, but it's really more about enjoying the work and learning new things so if i'm a you know if i'm a software programmer uh, i don't want to be stuck with uh, uh, the programming language from five years ago i want to be learning you know the new technology Mm. Uh, if i'm a marketing uh, professional i don't want to only do print-based ads for magazines i want to learn about social media marketing and in digital technologies and so as a manager as a boss you know, the first gift we can give our employees, the first way we can engage them is just to make sure that they're always trained, they're always learning new things. And that can be as simple as teaching them new things or maybe putting them on a uh, uh, what I like to call a stretch assignment, you know, a project that's going to be difficult on purpose so that they learn from it. Uh, maybe giving them a mentor or a coach, sending them to a conference or a training or even just giving them a good book and then having a you know a book club conversation about it where they can all learn from it so growth is is the first one and then recognition uh, is very powerful we all want to feel uh, acknowledged and appreciated by our boss and our colleagues nice. and once again it, it you know it doesn't have to be an expensive uh bonus or an expensive CEO award or President's Club award. If our boss gives us a heartfelt thank you, you know, and just and is very specific, uh, we we tend to to appreciate the thank yous. The more someone puts time into it, so if I just said, "Hey Bernard, good job today. I really appreciate it." That's good. I mean, you like hearing that. But what would be even better is if I wrote Bernard an email or a, a, a note card that said. Hey, Bernard, you really stepped up this weekend when you had to come into the store and called in sick. I really appreciate you changing your plans, taking time away from your friends. It's a great sign of teamwork and your dedication to the company. Thank you very much, Bernard. I mean, that's wow. going to make you feel great because wow. of it's so detailed. The third thing is trust. And we all want to trust our, our bosses, but it's also about trusting Uh, What I say, trust the future, having confidence in the future. We want to know that the company we work for has a bright future, and that we've got a bright future in the company. So, as the manager, as the owner, we—if we want people to feel engaged at work—we're going to say, you know, hey Bernard, this is great. I know we're a small company today, but in ten years, we're going to be, you know, the the top branding company in our space. And we might only have three employees today, but in ten years. We're going to have a hundred and you're in on the ground floor. You know, we're looking to serve 50 companies, you know, a thousand people. We're going to be innovators in all these areas. And Bernard, I'm looking forward to this journey with you. You're going to help us to figure out. I don't know how we're going to get there because I don't have all the answers. You've got one of the keys to the locks. I've got another key. Together, we're going to get there. So this kind of talk about, Hey, You know, my boss has a plan. This company has a bright future. I'm included in the future. They're thinking about my future. That really triggers great, you know, emotional feelings about, about where we're working. So my advice to, to, uh, uh, you know, managers and to business owners is just remember those three things growth, recognition, and trust. You know, are your people learning new things? Are you showing appreciation for their work and their efforts? And do they trust that the future is going to be bright and and great for them? Those three things will get you a very passionate, engaged, hardworking uh, uh,
1: team members. Wow. We look at growth, recognition, and trust. Absolutely. Okay, great. Now, Kevin, let's, let's move on to looking at the, the journey of an author, how an author can make multiple streams of income just through a book or book idea. So I know mean, you shared a couple of things and even your own journey till now. So I would just like to share three <laughs> principles. You give us three solid ways that an author can generate multiple streams of income from your own example.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting, Bernard. You know, um, unless you are... I mean, really a top, top celebrity author, famous author. It is very difficult to make a living just being, just writing books. Mm-hmm. The, the way the system is, uh, it's, it's very, very, very few authors can make a full-time job, a full-time living just from book royalties. So the idea of, um, what else can you do? How can you leverage? the the knowledge and that's the way i approached it is is yes i am an author i write books but i think of it more as like uh, the book is just a container for for valuable information for one way to help people you know i'm going to put something in this container of paper hand it to bernard he can read it and it would help him but what else could i do where else what other containers are out there for valuable information and so uh um, You know, one easy thing that authors can do is to take the same information they're writing about, and and do speeches, either keynote speeches, you know, kicking off an event for an hour, or workshops and training where people will come together, you know, for a day or even two days or, or something or longer, to learn the information. And what I have found is that while, you know, some people might pay a a, a little bit for a book. They'll pay a lot to bring you in to talk about it in person, either as a keynote or to train their workers, to train their employees. And so, you know, the number one way I have found for uh, additional income is, is the live, is the live speaking. Now, another thing that uh, I just started doing, even in the last month, is another format, another container for the valuable information can be online learning. And, uh, uh, it's getting easier and easier to just record yourself on video or on audio or on a webinar. And then you sell access to the information, you know, over the internet to people all, all over the world. So, you know, someone who, yeah, I'm here in the, in the States. So I'll just you know, use, uh, uh, dollars. You know, someone might pay, uh, say $5 for your book, but that same person would be willing to spend $100 to get the the audio program or the video program online. And the same person who might spend $100 to get that information online, well, they might give you $1,000 to come to one of your trainings to learn from you face-to-face. So I always encourage other people who have this dream to be a, a writer, an author, especially in the, the nonfiction space, is yes, write that book because being an author – uh, you know, the, the, the key word in the word authority is author, you know, author uh, is part of authority. Once you become an author and I know, you know, you've written so many books, bro. I'm sure you see it too. People treat you differently. They give you respect. They trust you more. Uh, it's many, many people. Everybody has a dream to write a book. Very few people do. So it starts with the book, but the real way to, to make money is to then use that experience and that, that, that personal brand from the book and sell either online training or live trainings, uh, those, those are two great ways to extend and, and get more more income.
1: It increases your reach as specializing authors with, with the online courses now currently running around. Um, which, which platform do you use personally or preferred, uh, Udemy or... No, Go-state? I'm using...
0: Yeah, right now I'm using Kajabi Next. K A J A B I N E X T, Kajabi Next. Right. And yeah, and I, um, you know, I'm pretty new to it. So I've been using it. I've, I've got one course that I've launched on it, uh, and, and I've just been using it this year. And um, it's very easy to create a course. That's the great news. Um, what I'm finding is, like all of these programs, you know, there's some some pluses and some minuses, some pros and cons in getting all your technology to work together. Uh, uh, you know, it, again, it, it takes it can take some time to investigate it all and to figure it out. But right now, you know, I'm I'm happy with uh, with Kajabi. Next.
1: Oh, well, good. So I think I, I recently also started exploring with Open Learning. you can also take a look at that. It's, it's just similar to all these platforms. You also look at. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And the good news, there's lots of these new new uh, platforms coming all the time. You mentioned Udemy and others, um, and it just depends on uh, if you you know want to control all of that and keep all of the money that comes in, <laughs> or whether you're willing to share some of it to one of those other other platforms. And everybody's you know situation is uh, is different. That's different.
1: <laughs> that is so true. All right. Kevin, so and moving forward, what are the three things you want authors or speakers to take action right after listening to this episode? So, what are the three things we want them to do now after this?
0: <laughs> I think you know, Bernard.
1: I I hope that people have found some of this
0: uh, uh, useful. I think if someone is just starting out, so let's you know, there's different kinds of people listening. Mm-hmm. If someone's just starting out. Or they've tried writing, they've tried doing some of this, and they're not really getting any money yet. They're not, not able to grow it. Here's what I would say is the first thing is be very clear on who your audience, who, who you want, who your ideal audience is. So, you know, even if, um, let's say you are an expert in health, and that's exercise and diet, you know, big category. So you might think, oh, I'm going to write a book about a diet, or I'm going to write a book about how to exercise. That's not good enough. You need to start not with your, your content, but who you want to help. And the more you can specify, the more you can niche, the better. They say riches are in niches. And, and, so, you know, and, and health is not my space, but if I was going to pursue that space, I would, like, I happen to be uh, a 48-year-old business guy. So I would maybe write a book for, you know, fitness for 50-year-olds or fitness over 50 or uh, uh, quick health for the busy executive. You know, I would want to really niche it down so that when people are looking for my stuff, they're like, oh, wait a minute. This one's just for me. And, And you could be uh, no matter what you sell, whatever your expertise is. You know, if you advise, you're a banker or a, a financial advisor, or you know, you're into money. You know, are are you trying to appeal to young people who are just starting out, or people who are really close to retirement? You know, do you want to help people to get out of debt, or do you want to help people to create a side income? You know, there's all kinds of little things. So the more you can specify exactly who your dream reader or customer is, the better, the, they'll be attracted back to you and your writing will be better. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I think um, too many authors will write their book and they're just thinking about it uh, from their own content perspective. When I write my books, the reason why I get called uh, by so many people asking me to come and speak for them is I've written the book in a way that makes it easy for them to find it and really explains to them that they should call me. So when you get one of my books and you open it up, the very first thing you see is a free bonus offer that says, you know, come to my website and uh, you can download all these great things for free, just as a thank you. Well, they have to give me their email address to get them. And then they go into my email system that, you know, keeps in touch with them once a week and teaches them even more stuff. So I'm top of their mind now, giving them lots of value every single week. But it came from the book. Wow. The next book that I, I'm releasing, I even do that at the end of every chapter. So, uh, if I'm writing a chapter about Uh, overcoming procrastination at the very end of that chapter is a call to action. Would you like to download the, you know, procrastination cure worksheet, go to kevincruz.com and download it here. Once again, I get their email and they get some extra bonus material at the end of every book is a giant page that says, would you like to bring Kevin Cruz into your organization for a keynote or a workshop? call this number or, or go onto this website. So I think a lot of authors they think, oh, I wrote the book. If they want me, they'll find me. Or <laughs> you know, they'll if they like my book, they'll come to my website and sign up for my newsletter. We're all so busy, we're inundated with thousands of marketing messages a day. We're forgetful so we really need to hit people over the head with that and i mean that would be the second thing i would say when you're writing your book is don't just write it thinking about content write it and say once they've got the book how do i get them into my email list how do i let them know that they can if they like the book they can bring me in you know to their company uh, i think that's you know that's the the second uh, big big key and then the third one is simply to realize that If as an author, you know, you live in the world of ideas and content and books are that one vessel, but you need to be always building your audience, your fans. You know, Seth Godin calls it a tribe. Uh, publishers call it a platform. And and as an author, that should be easy. Every now and then I see questions online like, geez, what do I put in my email newsletter or what do I put on my website or how do I keep in touch with my fans? If you just wrote a 20,000-word book, you know you have about a 100 pages of content, and you need to put them everywhere. I mean, everywhere. So when I'm writing a book, I am thinking about marketing it, selling it, finding readers before the book is even out. So if I finish a really good uh, chapter, I say, okay, how can I change it a little, and I'm going to publish it right now on my blog. And then a week later, I'm going to put it up on Forbes.com, the same article. And a week later, I'm going to put it on LinkedIn blog, my LinkedIn Pulse. A week later, I'm going to put it on Medium, the online magazine called Medium. And a week later, I'm going to put it on Huffington Post. And a week later, I'm going to put it on CEO.com. One article I can publish about 10 times over 10 weeks. And again, Bernard, it's the same thing. Who am I writing for? So it's not just... Leadership tips. It's going to be how to be a leader in a hospital, how to be a leader in a railroad company, how to be a leader in. I'm always thinking of a specific audience. I give great valuable information, and at the very bottom is that call to action. Kevin Cruz is a keynote speaker. Click here if you'd like information on bringing him into your company. And here's a, a five tips download. You know that you can also have. Click here. So as authors, you need to be thinking about always building that platform. And it should be easy because if you're working on your next book or your next speech, that content can just be republished over and over and over again.
1: Wow, That's a super tip here. Very, very huge one. Very huge one. Oh, this is
0: golden. Good. I'm glad, glad you're getting some value out of it. That's great. So
1: much value, so much value. Oh, Kevin, I think this is how far time can get us going. So, and lastly, I always ask, what would be your billion-dollar advice to the world? Hmm. <laughs>
0: I would say, you know, ultimately, it's about giving value. I mean, that's the right way to to live and to be. And it's the easiest way to build wealth. If you want to become a billionaire, find a way to help a billion people. If you want to become a millionaire, find a way to touch a million people. Uh, if you want a, a $100,000, find a way to touch 10 to 100,000 people. And it's how can you solve a problem, how can you offer value, and then the money part will take care of itself.
1: Wow, amazing tip. Wait, Kevin, when can one get in touch with your speaking engagements and all the courses and the things you have to offer?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking, Bernard. I think the easiest thing is for people to find me, find my website. It's kevincruise.com, but it's, uh, cruise is spelled K-R-U-S-E, kevincruise.com.
1: Kevincruise.com for all the resources and booking and contact. Kevin really has a lot of resources. All over online. Kevin, thanks for your time and for the insight shared on this.
0: Thanks, Bernard. I appreciate
1: it. It's a pleasure. I treasure. All right. So at this time, I want to recommend my latest book, Reputation Management, 99 Ways to Build and Boost Your Brand Visibility. So check it on Amazon.com today. Visit Amazon.com slash author slash Bernard Kelvin. The book is Reputation Management, 99 Ways to Build and Boost Your Brand Visibility the best is yours.